0: Well, I tell you, I have, I've heard few people who have done, this ain't no grave. There ain't no grave that can do it as good as Molly Skaggs. Very few. But you guys come as close to anybody I have seen do it as good as Molly Skaggs. And uh, I was not only moved by the spirit, but I was impressed that you guys carried that song the way that you did. And, uh, and just so honored. I am honored to be here. Uh, and I want to say thank you again to uh, Pastor Henry and all the staff who helped us and all of you who came to do this conference, the Morning Fields Prophetic Conference. How many of you have not heard about the Morning Fields? Raise your hand. I want to see. There's one. Okay, maybe ten people who've not heard about it. That means I get to tell the story. Because I want everybody to know about the morning fields. Because I tell this story, Cheryl will tell you, I tell this story everywhere I go. And back in the middle of the 20th century, somewhere along there, there were a group of African-American people who came to the very spot that your church is sitting on to pray and to seek God. And they would come and bring their sick children and their children would be healed by the Lord George Nelson was here Friday night and testified to being saved 61 years ago here in the woods and the pastures of the morning fields. And what these people did, they foran a move of God for you in this region and area. And they created a well of prayer revival for you to come and partake of. And I just, it thrills me that in Florida, we have a well that is wide open to the Lord. And uh, and seeing God move, seeing all of you this morning is what I believe a result. You all being here is a part of the morning fields. What they did back in the middle of the 20th century as a reason you're here today. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that you moved from Sopchoppy. And came to Crawfordville and planted a church here and at the Morningfields and didn't even know you were planting a church on the Morningfields to George Nelson dr- pulled up in the driveway and said, I want to join this church. You want to share something? And uh, <laughs> and so I, I have been to the wells of revival all across this nation. Uh, I've been to uh, Tain Ridge and. Red River Meeting House, Azusa Street, Bonnie Bray House. I've been out to Tulsa to Oral Roberts University and been out to Christ for the Nations in Dallas. Everywhere there was a well of revival, I went and drank from it. But I had never drank from this one until this weekend. And I heard about it quite a bit. The first time I heard about it was in 2004. We used to do meetings in Tallahassee in the state capitol on the 22nd floor, which we call the Isaiah 22, 22 floor. And, uh, and so we used to go there yearly in February and do a meeting there. We, we called it the state of the state address according to the kingdom of God. And, uh, and so that's where I began hearing about this. And I said, Lord, I've got to go someday. And he, all, he had put it in my heart way back then, but only said last year it's time to go. And I called Pastor Henry. He didn't even know me. And uh, the first thing that came out of his mouth was a yes. And uh, I'm so thankful to be here. And let me just say, this house house is really healthy. You can feel the health, the spiritual health that is in the house. Um, I've never been greeted so much, coming from my car all the way in here. I had more greets than uh, I think I've ever had in my life. And... uh, But we're in the real south. You know, I'm, I'm from down in Satellite Beach in central Florida on the east coast. And it's not the real south. The real south is up here in the panhandle. And, uh, and Cheryl and I are from Demopolis, Alabama. How many of you know where Demopolis is? Just a few of you. It's like Sopchoppy. Choppy. You have to want to go there to get there. <laughs> you don't just wind up in Demopolis or Sopchoppy. Choppy. But I married my high school sweetheart. Stand up, Cheryl. Let them see you. And we've been married 48 years. September 6th this year will be our 49th year. And uh, I love doing life with this lady. It never gets boring. We have some of the greatest times together. uh, And especially since the kids are gone. You know, (laughs) I hear you. We never had an empty nest syndrome because we focused on each other our entire marriage. And so when the kids were gone, there wasn't a shift in focus because we had focused on each other for so long. And, uh, and it, all it did was get better after the kids left. And if I'd known the grandkids would be such fun, I'd have them first. I'm going to talk to you today about forerunners. Before I do, let me mention this. Uh, The end of April, April 24th through the 30th, we are going to some of the wells of revival across the nation. We're going to uh, Red River Meeting House where the Second Great Awakening broke out in 1799. And then we're going to Cane Ridge where the Second Great Awakening was launched into the nation in 1801. And then we're going to leave there and go to Azusa Street. And uh, drink from these wells of revival. And if you're interested in going with us, you can go to my website, which is forerunner-ministries.org. And you can uh, see how to register there. We'd love to have you come and, and drink from those wells of revival. So I'm going to talk to you today about being a forerunner because we are in a forerunner state. And a forerunner is somebody who prepares the way of the Lord. It's not somebody who accepts the status quo in their life or in their church or in their state or nation. Forerunners prepare a way. They make a way for others to come. Just as George Nelson, his relatives and friends prepared the way of the Lord for you here today, we too have been called to prepare the way of the Lord. I want to read you a a, a paragraph that I wrote about forerunners. We are a forerunner people, a tribe of warriors. We have been called to prepare the way of the Lord, to make a pathway in the wilderness for Yahweh. We are the fire starters, the harbingers, the trailblazers, and the pathfinders. Forerunners are those who go ahead of others, where no man has gone before. They are visionaries that see the end from the beginning and say, Let's go. So this morning I want to say to you, let's go. Let's be a forerunner today. Not a status quo person. Let's lead the way in this nation to change this nation, to change our state, to bring about a great awakening revival to America. It's not going to happen just by you and I sitting down and hoping. It's when people like you and I begin taking the reins of prayer And begin praying and steering a nation through prayer and the direction that God wants it to go. When you and I begin making decrees over our state, over our city, over our nation. Enter into a prayer closet. And we get into that prayer closet. And we do what this field was called. We mourn for this nation. We begin feeling the heart of God for America. You see, we have a primary focus most of the time on ourselves and our needs, but God has a need also. He has a kingdom that has a need, and He needs you to step up as a forerunner because He's placed you in this earth to be His voice. He's placed you in this earth to be His hands and His feet. Forerunner definition, if you look it up in the dictionary, it says this. A person who goes or is sent in advance To announce the coming of someone or something that follows, a herald, a harbinger. We are a voice crying out in the wilderness, and God needs your voice today. All you men that came up here, God needs you. He needs you. He needs your voice He needs your voice in prayer and intercession. He needs your voice in the marketplace. He needs your voice in the family. Your voice is a voice that can begin to shape and shift. I've been telling my kids over and over the stories of the Lord here recently. I still have some prodigals, but they're all coming on their way home. They just don't know it yet. But I have one who's no longer a prodigal. He returned to the Lord a couple of years ago. And every so often he actually called me this morning. And every so often, Justin will call him and he'll just say, Dad, I'm praying for you. That was a man who was once a prodigal, but now is no longer a prodigal. He's a son. And, you know, the father, when you read the story there, the father never saw him as a prodigal. The father always saw him as a son. I love that. And all you men here and you women, too, because it's not a gender thing. You all are sons, not just church members here. You are sons and daughters of the living God. I want to read some scripture to you out of Luke the third chapter verses one through six. You can look on the screen or you can open your iPhone, iPad or your Bible. How many of you? I'm like Dutch. I carry a Bible <laughs> and my Bible, you can see is worn out and I don't even want to get rid of it. I want to read you this scripture now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea and Herod that was tetrarch of Galilee and his brother Philip was tetrarch of the region of Ituria and Trachadontis and Licinius was the tetrarch of Abilene there's one name I can actually pronounce Abilene And the high priesthood of Annas and Cephas, the word of the Lord, came to John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness. And he came into the district around Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make ready the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Every ravine will be filled, and every mountain and hill will be brought low. The crooked will become straight, and the rough roads smooth. And all flesh will see the salvation of God. See, we are in a forerunner state. I actually hosted the meeting when Dutch and Chuck did the fifty-state tour in two thousand and four, down in Winter Haven. It was February, if I remember correctly, February fourteenth, because. Dutch's wife, Cece, got mad at him because it was Valentine's Day. And I remember Dutch getting off the plane in Orlando and coming to the meeting, the first words he brought out of his mouth that Florida is a forerunner state. That means you are a forerunner. But I want to share with you this morning what forerunners carry. What you carry, what we all carry, what we as a state carry, and surely what our governor in Tallahassee is carrying. Here's one of them Forerunners carry the voice of the Lord. They don't just carry a man's voice, or they carry a voice of, uh, of, of the news media, or Fox News, or CNN News, and I'm not against those, I'm just telling you that's not the voice that we carry. We carry the voice of the Lord. I remember in 2008, I got real upset and With the way that America was going. And I didn't believe that we would see an awakening take place in America in my lifetime. I didn't believe that we would see full-blown revival again in my lifetime. And it was all because I was listening to the wrong voice. I had been listening to the voice of Fox News. And I'm not saying don't watch the news. But I went to the Lord with what was bothering me. I said, Lord, I I don't believe that we're going to see this in America. And he said to me, you're listening to the wrong voice and you're watching too much news. I didn't have to say that, but one time, and I took a four year sabbatical of the news. I did not watch any. Cheryl had to tell me what was going on and I'm not telling you to do that, but it wasn't but about a few weeks that I began getting my voice back. I began getting the voice of faith back. What's holding your voice back this morning? Many times there are things that are holding our voice back. But just like the song says, if you walked out of the grave, if you're listening to the wrong voice, that wrong voice can put you in a grave in this lifetime. And it can bring you into a position where you don't have faith, where you don't believe any longer. You don't believe your family will come to the Lord. You don't believe that America will turn around. If you're listening to the wrong voice, you will believe the wrong thing. You have to be listening to the voice of the Lord. And when I did that four-year sabbatical, I do watch news now, but not like I did. I was a junkie back in 2008 on the news. But I now carry the voice of the Lord, and I very seldom watch the news. I'll let her tell me what's going on. You see, we are the voice of the Lord, and that voice of the Lord carries with it a bulldozer anointing. This is what John the Baptist had. He had a bulldozer anointing. He put it in low and let it go. And woe be to whatever was in front of it. Because it was coming down. I believe that, again, I'm going to reference this a lot. I believe that George Nelson, the people of the morning fields, had a bulldozer anointing that prepared a way in this region. And and I I know me being kind of new here, it, it, uh, it, it is alive to me. You become used to it. It becomes familiar to you. That you've got, that you're sitting on a well of revival. A river. You named the church right when you named it River of Life. There's no doubt about it because that's what it is. When you walk on the property, you can feel the river of life. You see, we have a bulldozer anointing that, that is called to move things out of the way, and that's what prayer does. Prayer and declarations, prophesying will move things out of the way. It will mo- remove the hindrances in your family's life so that your family can come to the Lord when you begin praying. You see, your family, you are the cord that will bring your family to Jesus. You are the very one that will turn your family to the Lord. You and I need to continue to pray for them, but we need to talk to them like they're already saved. There was a lady here this weekend. I don't see her now, but at least I think she was here. Tala, I thought I saw Tala. Tala Gilly. she has an entire, I think she has five kids. All of them saved, but they were not always like that. One of them spent a lot of time in prison. All of the, her girls, I think she had one son and the rest of them girls, four girls. All of them were wild, mean, treacherous. But And trouble. But Tala called her son a man of God. She called her daughters women of God. She never lost focus of what God had called them to be. And now every one of them are serving the Lord. The son is not in prison any longer. He lives in Arkansas, spirit-filled, tongue-talking, born again, saved, baptized, chasing the devil. I remember when I heard about it, I said, you've got to be kidding me because I knew him. I used to be her pastor. I knew Dale. He wasn't like that. Tala the, has the bulldozer anointing. And we've been called to fill in the low places, bring down the high places, straighten out the crooked places, and smooth out the rough roads. That's what you call preparing the way of the Lord. I want to tell a story, but I don't know if I can get away with it here. It's about, it's about politics. I can get away with it. In 2010, this is about preparing the way of the Lord. I was sitting in front of my TV watching a negative ad campaign against Rick Scott. And I don't know what you think about him. Don't really care. I just know that the Lord put him in office. And I'm watching this negative ad campaign put on by the Republicans. And the Lord said to me, he said, I want this man to be the next governor of Florida. I said, Lord, you've got to be kidding me. I said, you hear what they're saying about him? And the Lord said, it doesn't bother me. I want him to be the next governor of Florida. I said, Lord, I'm not voting for him. I'm voting for his Republican opponent. And the Lord says, I don't care who you're voting for. I want him to be the next governor of Florida. And so I prayed through on it, got it in my heart. Took me a while to get through. You know, I'm hard-headed just like most of you. From the South, most Southern people are hard-headed. Took me a while to get it through, and he got it through to me finally. And I called up a friend of mine, Representative Charles Van Zant, out of Keystone Heights. He was a representative at, a, at the time, also a Baptist pastor in Gainesville. And God had connecting that Baptist pastor and this charismatic pastor together. And it was just an amazing connection. And I said, Brother Charles, I said, I've heard from the Lord about the governor. He said, what is it, Ken? I said, God wants Rick Scott to be the next governor of Florida. He says, wait a minute. Do you know what they're saying about him? I said, yes, I've heard it all. And I said, but I've heard from the Lord also. And I've prayed through, and I know this is what God wants. And he said, well, why don't I see if I can get a meeting with him? And so two weeks later, we had a meeting with Rick Scott in Bonnell, Florida, where I'll be in a couple of weeks preaching. And I uh, met at the Chamber of Commerce there, and for 45 minutes it was like meeting with an old high school buddy that you've not seen in 40 years. I'd never met a man so gracious and courteous, and even to, for me to, to this day, he's still the same way when I see him. And Charles Van Zandt, the reason he was in office is, was to defeat abortion. And he asked Rick Scott, what will you do to defeat abortion? He says, I don't have a record to run on or tell you, but I will tell you this. That any, any bill that the Senate and the House passes to defeat abortion in any way, I'll sign it into law. And he did. And then I asked him, I had one question. I wanted him to tell me about his relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, when I ask a politician this, I don't want to know what church they go to. I don't even want to know who their pastor is. I want to know what their relationship with Christ is. And for the next 15 minutes, he share with me about his relationship with the Lord, how he came to the Lord, how his grandmother raised him in church, how his mother gave him his work ethic because she worked two and three jobs because she was married to four alcoholics. And He shared all of that with me, and you could feel the passion in him. We left that meeting that day, and I looked over at Charles. I said, What do you think now? He says, Well, wait a minute. Let me see if I can get a meeting with his opponent. So, and Republican opponent. So, two weeks later, we met in Jacksonville. It was like meeting with your worst enemy. For about 20 minutes, he berated us and put us down. Then I asked him about his relationship with Jesus Christ. And all he said was, I believe in Jesus. I said, is there anything else you want to tell me? He says, no, I believe in Jesus. I wanted to know about his relationship. If I ask one of you, tell me about your relationship with the Lord. I want you to tell me. I want you to give your testimony. So we left the meeting that day and I looked at Charles and I said, what do you think now? He said, I believe God wants Rick Scott to be the next governor of Florida. And so we then, I knew that we had to pray. So I formed an ecclesia. You know, the, where Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, Upon this rock I will build my church. That word church is ecclesia in the Greek. And it literally means governmental body. Upon this rock I will build a governmental body and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Amen. And so I formed an ecclesia of representatives and senators and Rick Scott's pastor, Pastor Rick Curry in Pensacola and myself. And we got on a call and we began praying. And all of these senators and representatives, they were in election year. And I listened to them as they wept and cried over Florida. I mean, literally. Wept and cried over our state. And I thought to myself, what kind of people is this? What kind of politicians begin to weep and cry out to God for their, for their state? And these are people who have a desire to see God come to Florida as who they are. And as I'm sitting there listening to this and listening to them cry, none of them prayed for their campaign none of them prayed for their election they only prayed for God's will to be done for Rick Scott to be the next governor of Florida after Rick Scott's pastor prayed I said is anybody else want to pray and then Rick Scott says I want to pray we had given them the number but I didn't know he was on there and this man began to pray and he prayed like Solomon he said Lord if I'm elected the next governor of Florida give me wisdom to lead this state the way you would want it led and he won. We knew we had a fight for us in the Democratic opponent. And we, in order to do that, we were going to have to gather the ecclesia again and get the ecclesia to pray. And not just in that small group that we have, but all across the state, we began getting people in the state. And he beat Alex Sink by one and a half percent of the vote of Florida. And I believe had not the ecclesia, people f- across the state had prayed, I believe he would have lost. Because see, you and I are the ones who stand in the gap and make up the hedge. You and I are the ones who are carrying the voice of prayer that begins changing things and shifting things and literally putting people office and taking people out of office. <laughs> Praise God. So I've been given a, Huge assignment, and so have you, to be a watchman over this state. And forerunners are visionaries. Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Habakkuk, the prophet, is sharing this word here. He says, I will stand on my guard post and station myself on the rampart, and I will keep watch to see what he will speak to me and how I may reply when I am reproved. Then the Lord answered me and said, Record the vision, inscribe it on tablets, that the one who reads it may run. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. It hastens toward the goal, it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it, for it will certainly come. It will not delay. And I believe that we're in a place right now in America that God is not going to delay any longer what He has promised you and I. Forerunners are those who are positioned to see. They see differently than other people see. When other people see America going to hell in a handbasket, forerunners see a great awakening coming to America. When forerunners look, they see a huge harvest of souls coming to Florida. A few years ago, I was asking God for a million souls out of Florida. And he said to me, you're asking too small. And I said, what do you mean? He said, I want you to ask for $10 million. So I begin asking for 10 million souls to come out of the state of Florida as a harvest. And that's the way I see. I see through the eyes of heaven. I don't see through the eyes of man. There's many people that don't believe that we will see an awakening revival. And I'm going to tell you something Crawfordville. Your revival has just begun. You're coming full circle in this region and territory. And I believe that you're going to see a huge influx of born again believers of people coming into the kingdom sinners becoming saints because of what God has done here through the years God is bringing a reaping of the harvest in this region and territory and I'm going to tell you they're going to drive down out of Tallahassee they're going to come out of Sop Choppy they're going to come from Perry and other places from Apalachicola to get here because of the move of God that God is bringing to this place right here That's the way I see. It's the way I talk. That's the way I I, I see things that way. When I wake up in the morning, I am looking to hear about a revival breaking out across the land. You see, forerunners are positioned to see and hear. And their vision is beyond normal. They don't see the way normal people do. And you're a forerunner. You're not supposed to see the way normal people do. You don't see the way things Fox News sees it, or CNN, or the government. You see it the way God sees it. Forerunners also keep watch. Thank you, sir. I needed that. Boy, it sure is good, too. I bet you wish you had some. <laughs> Forerunners, keep watch. He, the, the first thing that he says here in verse 1, I will stand my on my guard post. My guard post is the state of Florida. Yours is Wakula County. This whole region here. That's your station where God has placed you. You don't want to be anywhere else. You don't. This is where you love being. Because this is where God has placed you. I love Florida. Now, when I first moved to Florida, I didn't love it. I moved to Florida in 1988. It didn't take me about three months not to like Florida. God put me in the midst of orange trees, and I had come from a region and territory where the oak trees was as tall as skyscrapers, and the pine trees were just as tall, and, and, and you had the lush green pastures everywhere, and here I am in the middle of orange trees. I said, Lord, where did you put me? And I began crying out to the Lord, and I said, Lord, send me somewhere else. And then she had a couple of car accidents. And I cried all the more. And, and we, times got hard for us. We were pastoring a small church there in Davenport. And, and we were not making a lot of money and had four kids that we're trying to raise. And eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for a lot of meals. I don't know if some of you have been there. But you, you have a respect for people who have gone through that and got the victory. i tell you that. And I said, Lord, get me out of here. And he would reply. You're going to be here a long time. (laughs) Emphasis on long. And I say, please, Lord, get me out of here. And then something happened to me. It took from 88 to the year 2000, 12 years. Something happened to me in the year 2000 that forever transformed my life. And God married me to the state of Florida. And every square inch of this land, I love it. From Pensacola to Jacksonville to Key West to Orlando to Miami, all points in between, I love every square inch of this state. After he gave me a love and passion, I I mentioned it yesterday morning. I would lay a Florida map on the floor, wrap myself in a Florida flag and just weep over the state of Florida. Bathe that map in, in tears. And then in 2003, I was in Miami. Cheryl was with me and we were gathering people to pray for revival. I had rented a Holiday Inn conference room. And at the end of the meeting, the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to come into covenant with Diane Bucher to see revival come to Miami. She was a strong intercessor in the city. And so I walked up to Diane. Cheryl was with me. And I said to her, I said, I'm coming in covenant with you for Miami, Florida. And she began weeping. She said, I take covenant very seriously. I said, so do I. And she reached in her purse and pulled out a $10 Walmart ring. And she handed it to us and said, this is my sign of covenant. And when she said that, The Holy Spirit said to me, I want you to give her your wedding band. I said, Lord, with all due respect, you gave me the woman, but she gave me the wedding band. And I will not give it away unless she's in agreement. Well, I knew what Cheryl was going to say. You're not giving my wedding band. You're not giving that wedding band I gave you to another woman. I knew she was going to say that. So the Lord had to do something because I would not do it. And there's one thing that she and I do is that we never step out of agreement. We do everything according to agreement. We pray over everywhere I go, whether she's with me or not. Any purchase that we're going to make, we have to be in complete agreement. Because agreement is the power of life. Matthew 18 talks about that. So I take Cheryl off to the side and I said, babe, I said, you're not going to believe what I heard the Lord say. She said, what? He wants me to give Diane Buecher the wedding band you gave me. I said, besides, I've been wanting one with rocks in it. And Cheryl says, "Okay." I am shocked. (laughs) And so we take my wedding band and take it over to diane hand it to her and she's saying no i cannot take this and Cheryl and i both are nodding our heads yes you can we're in agreement so we gave her my wedding band and so we had intended to purchase a wedding band we'd drive by a jewelry store and say we need to go in there and get a wedding band it never happened six months later i'm back in miami Sitting on the second row here in Maldonado's church. Cindy Jacobs is up preaching. How many of you know Cindy? Ooh, there's a bunch of you here that don't know Cindy. Cindy Jacobs is a prophet of the Lord. She runs with Chuck Pierce. She runs with Dutch. She used to, Dutch used to be her pastor when they all lived in Colorado Springs. And so she's preaching away and she reaches in her pocket and pulls up a waiting band. And said, I was in Argentina three weeks ago, and for the first time in 13 years, they took up an offering for me, gave it to me in a brown sack, and inside is a man's waiting band. Is there some man here who does not have a waiting band? And we're sitting over there, and I look at Cheryl, and she looks at me, and and I said, I'm not raising my hand. There are people here who can't afford it. We can afford it. Let's let somebody else raise their hand. And there's a 1,000 people and nobody raises their hand. So she sticks it back in her pocket and goes to preaching again. And 15 minutes later, she pulls it back out. She said, there's some man here. God wants to give you a wedding band from Argentina. And so I raised my hand. Ken, why don't you have a wedding band? She said, come up here. So I came up and I told her the story that I just told you. And she said, The Lord says that the man who has this wedding band will have the spirit of the Argentine revival upon them. However, it has to fit. You always need to be sure you're not taking up the wrong mantle that doesn't fit. So she brought Cheryl up. And Cheryl slides it right on that finger there just like that. Cindy prays for me. I fall out in the spirit. I can tell you five times in my life I have fallen out in the spirit. I just—it's not something that I just—I don't give courtesy drops, and uh, I don't push people. If I get—if I come across a pushy preacher and he's trying to push me down, I just push back like that, you know, because I'm not going down like that. It has to be the real deal. But when she prayed for me that day, it was just like a linebacker chop me from behind and knock my feet right out from under me. The catchers didn't even catch me. Bam, I was hit the floor just like that. And God married me and and brought a covenant to that marriage to the state of Florida. You see, I'm going to try to bring this to a close real quickly. We have been called to position ourselves to keep watch. To reply to the voice of the Lord and record the vision. I've already had my journal out right now on the way home when she drives. I'm going to be journaling about this weekend. I'm going to be recording the vision of what we saw God do and what we've heard in the past and what He's going to do in the future. You record the vision. You get the blueprints from heaven and you begin recording that vision and you begin building according to the blueprints. You inscribe it on places where others can read it and run with it too. And this is important because there's going to be a time when you and I are gone from this earth and somebody needs to have the blueprints. It needs to be passed down to the next generation. God wants you to begin recording the blueprints and writing it down. You and I need to understand time. We're in a time where everything's about to shift in America. And America shall be saved. (laughs) Agree with the Holy Spirit's vision. Agree with the vision of the morning fields here. Agree with the vision of this house. Agree with the vision that the Lord has for Crawfordville. Herald the word and decree... That revival is coming in Jesus' name. Amen.